You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. We're also here with Michael Trevett from College Transitions. Now, I'm a, a recent father, and, and I hear this all the time, stay in the moment. Well, when you blink once, your baby's graduated from preschool and entered kindergarten. You blink again, they're starting high school. And then you wake up in the middle of the night and realize, oh my God, they're going to college. Help, what to do, where to start? Well, guess what? We have the answer. Michael Trevett is someone who helps parents navigate the long, complex, and often confusing world of college choice and admissions. He's an App State grad, holds a PhD in higher education from the University of Georgia, and he is part of the team uh, at College Transitions, a company that helps parents and high schoolers with one of the most important choices they'll ever make. Welcome to the Brand Builders Podcast, Michael. We are so excited to hear about your story. Yeah, thanks for having me. Michael, thanks for being here. Uh, Brian, thanks for the introduction, as always. And um, I'm just curious, Michael, Like, what what is the first thing parents and teens need to know about choosing a college? Is it is it cost, location, major, all of the above? Yeah, good question. I think I think certainly all of the above. Um, you know, one, one of the questions that we often hear is, uh, you know, where should I be looking? What should I be majoring in? Um, you know, and there's really many places you can start. So what we tell students a lot of time is sort of at the beginning, cast a wide net, keep all options on the table. So if you know you want to major in, let's say business, for example, um, start looking at schools, obviously in your state, um, public schools, also the private schools as well. But you know, consider schools that that maybe be a, a little exotic to you. So across the country or in states where um, we know that those schools may be trying to recruit students from your high school. Um, so sort of, you know, uh, cast a wide net and then eventually narrow that list down. So I, I think, you know, for high school students, start thinking about this process a little bit early. Um, but then once you get to the senior year, try to have that list narrowed down and you know, we can talk about this, but I, certainly when we were high school students, I don't think we were applying to the number of colleges that students do today. So um, it's not out of the ordinary for students these days to apply to, you know, six, seven, maybe even 10 colleges. Certainly we've seen students that apply more than that, but try to narrow that list down. Um, but keep all those factors in mind, cost, location, major, return on investment. So go to a school, for what you want to major in that's going to provide, you know, those good outcomes for you. Hopefully, you know, pay pay you a good salary for what you want to do. But if you have to take out money in terms of student loans and student debt, you know, is going to pay that back. So keep that in mind, too. You made a good point. A return on investment, uh, you know, you read and you're starting to hear things. Is, is college really worth it for people? Yeah. What are you seeing day in and day out with that kind of thought process? Yeah. That's a, that's a big thing that you see in popular media right now is people asking that question, right? And um, there's politicians that question it too, and so the, uh, the waters can be a bit muddied. Um, but the research shows that, you know, whether it's a two-year degree or a four-year degree, the, the return on investment is still there. So over the course of your lifetime, if you invest in higher education, you're going to make more um, over the course of your career than somebody would with just a high school diploma. And as long as that research shows, I think you're going to continue to see that higher education, yes, is worth it. Now, obviously, different majors have those different returns that we talk about. And depending on where you go in your career is ultimately going to decide how much money you make over the course of your career. 
But um, yes, higher education is still very valuable. I think, um, you know, I think there's not necessarily a, a perfect time to go there. Um, many students that we work with typically be would be the, the high school graduate. But, you know, if you need to take a few years to work and then go back to school once you know what your passion is, what you know, once you know what you want to study, that's totally fine, too. So you don't necessarily have to go straight into college. But again, um, it, it depends on what you want to do, what your mindset is, and sort of where you see yourself going. So I, I, when I went to college, it was I was lucky enough to go play a sport. That was like my number one thing. Then I was going to yeah. kind of figure out what I was going to do, right? Mm -hmm. There wasn't really any thought process before that. It was go to the school that wanted me and then just kind of figure out what your major is going to be because reality soccer was the most important, right? whether that's right or wrong. Um, right. Do you feel that kids these days are more focused on – exactly what their major is and what they want to do out of college, maybe more so than people were 10, 15 years ago. And do you think that's driving where they go and apply? And if, if not, is that something as a parent, you should be challenging your, 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 uh, your son or daughter at, you know, freshman, Hey, let's start talking about like, what do you really want to do in life? What are your right. thoughts on that? That's a great question. Um, to your point, I, I think, Yes, I do see more students today that seem to know what they want to study in college and know what they want to do in a career. Um, and so we get a lot of students that we work with that say, you know, I want to go into computer science or I want to go into engineering or I want to go into education and, or, or communication or whatever it is. And they know the schools that they sort of want to start looking at, which is good. I mean, it's, it's nice. But I also tell students that there's going to be a high probability that you change your major at least once. And the research shows that. So I think the latest statistic that I saw was that 70% of all college students will change their major at least once. Wow. Think about that. 70%. So That's more revenue for the college though, right? <laughs> well, yeah, it, it can <laughs> hey, be. Hey, they it's, might like that. It can be. But, you know, if you're going to a large university that has, you know, 100 plus majors to choose from, you know you're going to go there, and for at least two years, you're doing mostly core classes that can apply to any major, quite honestly. And so you have time to sort of figure out where you want to go. Um, you know, and, and then for those students who are undecided um, who come to us, uh, you know, they may want to consider like a liberal arts school. Um, now, I know certain liberal arts colleges are struggling out there to attract uh, applicants, but if it's a really good liberal arts school, um, they're going to do a great job for their students of preparing them to write, speak, think, which you have to do in any job field that you go into. And so I, I really do, we, we, we strongly recommend that students consider liberal arts colleges because they do such a good job of, of preparing students for careers, graduate school, et cetera. But... Um, Going back to what you said, we definitely have a lot of students, more so it seems like today than when we were all in high school, um, who seem to know what they want to study. But again, research shows that they're likely to change at some point. And do you also, I have a, a friend that played soccer with me um, down at Georgia Southern. His name is Julian Donaldson. He created a brand in Colorado called Be a Good Person. Mm -hmm. And he was all about you know, graphic art. And, and he was in all the art classes. And people made fun of him. Like, this is 2003, 2004. What are you going to do in art, in life, man? How are you going to make money? Well, guess who he's laughing at now? Everybody that looked at him and said, there won't be a place for you. Do you see a lot of students now? I feel like the possibilities are, are endless with now digital media and social media and all these different aspects around creativity. Do you see that kind of the net is wider for kids and that maybe now they're not saying, well, I got to go to school and then be in business or I got to go be in banking. Like they're kind of, the, the sky's the limit. And, and, and right. how is that 
kind of worked from your 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 thought process? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, you know, we get that a lot where uh, maybe a family makes a comment. You know, maybe their students go in business and they would say something like, you know, certainly we're not going to major in English because there's no money there, right? And that's not the case at all. You know, you, you got to think about this from from the skill set that you're going to learn in college and how you can apply that to various career fields. So, for example, if you're an English major, you know right off the bat that there are so many careers out there that are going to be looking for talented writers, also people that can speak and effectively work with other teams no matter what career field you go into. And so if you go to a good school that has a strong program that's going to be able to connect you with alumni and, and different uh, internships, uh, job opportunities, then that college is going to give you that return on the investment for what you're looking for, for a field that you wanted to genuinely pursue. Um, and then on the other end of that, for, to your point, we have students that come to us that you can clearly tell that they're, they're choosing a major more so because that they think about the money that they're likely to make over the course of their lifetime, but they really don't stop to think, well, is this what I need to be doing? You know, and right. for example, I, I see so many students that come to us with engineering and computer science, and we can talk about how selective some of those schools are becoming as a result of so many students choosing this career field. But you can sort of tell that they might be choosing f something because they're thinking about the money. They're not thinking about how that major really aligns with their interests and, and what they should be doing. For example, we have students that come to us and say, you know, I want to go CS or I want to go engineering, and you start looking at their math grades, <laughs> and you start thinking, um... That actually happened to me. I was interested in that, and <laughs> math sucks for me, man. <laughs> and so imagine that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you're going into a career field, but you know you're going to have to take a lot of math courses and science courses in college. That's right. And this is probably something that you won't, don't want to be studying, right? That's right? So imagine working your entire career field in that. Yep. It would be miserable for you. It would be. Um, even if you get to that point, right, where you get the degree. So... You know, we see all of that. Uh, we just tell students, you know, keep an open mind, pursue your passions, and if you do so, and if you land in the right school that can prepare you, you're going to be fine. So let's go to, to your history. Um, you, you know, went to school, you majored in broadcasting. You just mentioned the statistic that 70% of students change their major. I feel that I, you know, became who I was in college. I mean, you grow a lot from 18 to 22 years old. Tell us about, you know, going through from App State to UGA, you now have your PhD. How does that help you give advice to students? Yeah. Um, and tell us kind of about your story and then how it's really made you want to, to spread that love and say, hey, this is what I know and this is how I can help. Yeah. Um, so coming out of high school, I sort of, I'm one of these outliers. I knew I wanted to do broadcasting. Um, and uh, I went to a school that uh, in here, you know, in North Carolina that had a, had a very reputable program. Um, and would prepare me well for the field. Um, travel down to your old mater many a times, do basketball and football. Uh, Paulson, Go Eagles! <laughs> Paulson was a tough place, um, as we all know. But uh, no, I, I got a great, I had a great experience there. Um, but while I was doing broadcasting, I was also traveling with with basketball and football. And I sort of realized this is something I didn't think of as a as a 17, 18 year old high school student. I didn't really like being on the road all that much. Mm -hmm. um, I was traveling a lot. Um, in fact, I was sort of like a student athlete, uh, except I did football and basketball. So I was on the road a lot um, during the year. And I said, you know, this is tough. Like for me personally, I, I, I don't enjoy this. Um, and so I started thinking about, well, what are those things that I do enjoy? And I had some really good teachers, um, professors at App State that uh, 
made a big impact on my life. And so I said, you know, I, I like education a lot. What are, what are some ways that I can use what I've learned to maybe get into education? And so um, I studied educa educational media uh, as a master's program where you essentially teach uh, teachers how to effectively use media content as a teaching tool in the classroom. Um, it's actually really big in like the UK and Australia and other places around the world. Um, it's called media literacy. We don't really use it effectively here uh, in the US, um, which is why you see some of the problems uh, that we see <laughs> yeah. as, a, as a society. Say, that's right? obvious. We can, we can go back to that discussion in a sep separate podcast. But um, yeah, so... Uh, so yeah, so I really enjoyed that, and but while I was doing that master's program, um, I was also working in college admissions, and then um, uh, Appalachian beat Michigan in football, uh, which is crazy, I know, but I was I saw how that one game affected the admissions process at a large public university, and I said, is anybody doing research on athletics and uh, and higher education, specifically with college admissions, athletic success, and how it affects college admissions? That led me to the University of Georgia to do my PhD there um, and went there and, and was studying higher education, went down this sidetrack of admissions where I had background and experience and uh, met um, one of my colleagues there, Andrew Blasco, who's my one of my partners at College Transitions. He knew a guy in Philadelphia when he worked uh, in admissions up there. And the three of us came together and sort of formed College Transitions uh, while we were in the graduate program at UGA. And so that's kind of how College Transitions got off the uh, got off the ground. But um, through doing broadcasting and being in Appalachian and making connections, um, it showed me, you know, where I sort of needed to go. And I just kind of found that path. That's awesome. Quick question. Did yeah. you uh, did you go to school with Chris Kroger, the voice of the Hornets? I did. Kroger is amazing. He, um, is. he was a few years behind me, but to the to the credit Appalachian's program, I mean, you got Chris Kroger at, uh, for the Hornets doing play-by-play -play now um, at that age, and that it's an incredible opportunity. He's it doing is. a fantastic job. Living his dream, man. You got David Shumate, who's play-by-play -play for Duke basketball and Duke football, who sat beside me and did basketball games, and David was the consummate professional. Um, you have Adam Witten, who's play-by-play -play for Appalachian football. You got all these people who are in so many different and cool positions that came out of our program and I was fortunate to have worked with a lot of them um, and, and again credit Appalachian that program for preparing these people um, and getting them to the next step but it, it's it's fun to see them having success. How does college and and forgive my ignorance but just tell us a little more about college transitions and, mm -hmm. and your goals your mission um, what you're doing for for students kind of in a nutshell um, and are you a nonprofit or are you a for-profit organization? Yep. Um, just yep. interested. So our goal really is to help students and families kind of navigate what seems to be a, a pretty complicated process, um, no matter who you are. And that can be if your parents are college educated, um, if they're not, if you're a first-generation student. Um, everyone needs help in identifying good fit schools that are going to give them the most opportunity, both during college and after college. And so... Um, that's kind of where we come in. Uh, we're, we're sort of the, the supplement to any work that high school counselors can do. And since I'm touching on that, I should say, you know, high school counselors do a fantastic job. They really do. But they have a lot on their plate. So in addition to college counseling, they're helping students uh, navigate, you know, high school. Um, they're dealing with uh, all sorts of complicated issues. Um, and they don't have as much time to devote to college counseling as probably what they would like. 
um, caseloads are large. You know, if you think about average student counselor ratio nationally, it's about 450 to one. Wow. So think about one counselor being Not in charge. Not so much you can offer, yeah. you know, to everyone. Yeah, and in, in cities like Charlotte, those counselor-student uh, counselor ratios are, are often higher. Um, those caseloads are higher. So that's kind of where we come in. Um, we are a for-profit company uh, working with students all over the country and students all over the world. Um, we eventually would, would like to grow this thing. We're still pretty small, relatively speaking, but we want to grow this thing to where we do have that kind of nonprofit arm uh, where we're able to do some of that work because all of us have a background in that. Um, I worked with undocumented students uh, down in Athens, Georgia. wrote my dissertation on college access for undocumented students. Um, so we have a, a general interest with helping that, that population, this uh, disadvantaged population, people that are underserved. Um, that's where we like to talk about some of the things that we're doing, some of the research that we're doing, that we're making data accessible to college counselors because we know that has an impact. We're writing a new book um, that we think is going to be wildly successful, is certainly going to add to the market um, and help parents and, and counselors out. So that's some of the stuff that we're doing to try to get information in as many hands as possible. To really help families cool. out. Yeah. Where do you see? So I have an eight-month-old, and um, yeah. we were we were laughing at the beginning of when yeah. when should parents start? And you said, I got people calling me in elementary school, and you're like, chill out, chill yeah. out, like yeah. let your kid be a kid. Yeah. But on that stage, when should you start? And and then the second part of that question is, you see how much college costs today. Mm. Yeah. To me, as a parent, terrifies me Terrifying. that 18 years from now, yeah. what am I going to be spending to send my kid to college? But you know, I'm going to work my ass off to make that happen. Right. So how, when do we start and how do we pay for it? Great question. Get that a lot. You know, as we were joking, uh, it's not uncommon for us to get calls from families with students in uh, elementary school. <laughs> and uh, I think to myself, you know, you just got to relax. You just got <laughs> to chill for a bit. It's stressful. I mean, guys, you know, we, we talk about it. Um, we hear these horror stories of students coming out of school with – $250,000 in debt. They're working for the rest of their lives to pay it off. They're paying interest rates upward of four, five, six, seven, eight percent, depending on the loan. Um, some grad student loans can be even higher if you're going to a professional school or, or, or medical school, something like that. So um, it can be horrifying. Uh, what we tell families early on and, and anybody who, who really calls and talks to us is just make sure that your student's in a good environment that they have the resources at home and in school, no matter where they are, to, to be successful. Uh, start planning for college in terms of saving money for college if you have the means to do so. But at the same time, let your kid be a kid. You know, let them go through the normal stages of life. But when things start to get to late middle school and you're starting to take some math courses or science courses or foreign language to prepare for high school, those are times when you can start thinking about college. But as long as you have them in a good setting, a good environment, academically where they're they're primed to sort of thrive they're going to be okay you shouldn't start doing too much related to college uh, at such an early age um, but obviously when they get to high school that's that's when the process really starts in earnest for sure that's awesome now you mentioned that your book um, a minute ago tell us a little bit about that book um, how can can we find the book after you tell us about it and, and very interested in that yeah so the new book that's coming out is called the college transitions data-driven college guide um, that's at least what's on our proposal. Um, our agent has sent the book out to various publishers across the world. Um, we're sort of looking at those offers right now and, and uh, going through that entire process, um, having those publishers review the proposal. Um, but the book itself is going to be uh, a college guide 
in the truest sense, much like the um, Fisk College Guide or Princeton Review, uh, Best 384 Colleges or Barron's College Guide as well. Um, it's going to have a detailed profile in five different sections related to this college, and then it's going to have a, uh, a college data table of 50-plus of variables that we pulled that basically give parents and students better information about this college so they can hopefully make an educated decision about whether it's a school they want to apply to or pursue. Um, and so it's going to come out hopefully in fall 2019. We're shooting for August or September. It's pretty aggressive. Uh, we're obviously writing the book right now. Um, and then we're going to continue. We're going to have probably 150 profiles, more or less, uh, in the first edition. That's what we're shooting for. And then we're going to try to add 50 each year until we get up to probably 300, 350 schools. And these are popular colleges that you know across the country. So if you're thinking North Carolina, you're thinking uh, UNC Chapel Hill, Davidson College, Duke University. Um, if you're thinking across the country, you're thinking of schools like University of California, Los Angeles, um, New York University. So these are schools that you would commonly think of when you're thinking of selective colleges. But like I said, we're going to pull out some of those gems too that you don't hear as much about. And those will probably come. There won't be as many in the first edition, but as we, as I mentioned, we're going to add 50 schools each year. That's when we're going to add some of those schools. So yeah. Excellent. Excellent cool. Well, tell us, um, how do we get in touch with you if there's you know parents listening yeah. to this, kids listening to this, uh, or students listening to this? I don't know how many kids we have listening to our podcast, but hey, you never know. Yeah. You never know if they got cool parents they listen to it, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but tell us how you can uh, get in touch with, with you in, in College Transitions. Yeah, so collegetransitions.com is the website. Um, you can go there. Uh, if you um, go to YouTube, we have a new YouTube channel where we're starting to put out a video per month, one video per month on various issues. Um uh, let's see, social media, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Not as active as what we want to be. want to get more active on that, but we only have so much time per day. And the book is obviously taking a big chunk of that right now. So, um, But, yeah, if they go to collegetransitions.com, that's where they can find us. And, uh, yeah, be happy to talk with any student or family. Awesome, awesome man. Thank you for joining us today. Yep. Appreciate it, Michael. Yep. Sure. Thank you. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.